The Theonauts, episode 80. The one where I'm a Leo. Rawr. The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings <laughs> is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, all you theostrologers out there. How you doing? I'm David Getty. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are the, the Theonauts. I just broke something in David's office. I'm sorry. Let me put it back together. Oh, it's here, Legos, dude. I know. It's like you, you just <laughs> stick them back together. What is this thing? That is a tool for taking Legos apart. Oh. I'm not sure exactly how it functions, but... That's what. That's the purpose of it. Clever. Wow. So, anyways, hey. So, how's your week been? <laughs> it's been Lego awesomeness. I don't know. <laughs> it's been great. Yeah, Lego anonymous. <laughs> no, it's been really good. Uh, we're back to school. <clears throat> back to school. Back to school. Yes. Yeah, which back has been fun. Back to the fun. grind. That's right. Uh, got my lesson plans done for the the season. It's going to be pretty fun. Uh, Let's see. What am I teaching? Well, right now I'm teaching transcendentalists and how moronic they are. Oh, we're on we're on Thoreau and uh, nice and his uh, what is it? Um, what's it called? Peaceful uh, protesting. I forget the name of it. Anyways, and you're teaching this. Yeah, I'm teaching it. <laughs> Something like that. Some <laughs> civil disobedience. Oh, his, okay. His his treaties on civil civil disobedience. And how moronic he was, basically. And a mama's boy. I taught them that, too. He was a mama's boy. (laughs) Anyways. Well, you came and visited us last week at our little retreat we did. I did! Up in Ardmore, Oklahoma. I got a taste of some good singing. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, it it was great. Had a blast. Even uh, partook in the uh, song game. (laughs) The singing game, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was great. Like, finish the... I forget what that, that there's a game show. Fill like in the blank. Where you hymn. fill in the blank. Yeah. yeah, we're singing a hymn. Sing that song. And then know. everyone has to stop. Right. And you fill in the blank. But uh, of course, yeah. we had a hard time getting everybody to stop. Yeah. <laughs> everybody just kept saying the yeah. words. They just, you know. But, but that, was, that was a lot of fun. We had a good time. Yeah. I had a lot of fun at that. I, I want to go next year, cool. wherever it's at. Yeah. So. Yeah, we don't know where it's going to be yet. Uh, but uh, we had. Good showing. We had about 60 kids there this year. That's awesome. That was really good. We should take some of ours. Yeah. 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 Let's do it. They'd like it. Do a youth field trip. Anyways. Yeah. So things at the way are going good, too. Yeah. 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 Going going really good. Yeah. We had close to like 50 in attendance almost. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord for that. Yeah. So. So, Of course, it's not about numbers. No, it's not. But it's good to get... get, People at least coming and listening and, and that's right and talking and you know seeing what sticks and what doesn't. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So so yeah, everything's Anyways. going good so far. Yeah, you have a good week. Yeah, can't complain. Back to the grind as well. Uh, you know, doing the same old, same old. That's the way it works. Yeah, trying to keep my head above water. But L- looking uh, forward to that. Uh, looking forward to that summer. <laughs> I can't wait for it. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so you want to just jump into our topic that Let's I know nothing about? Jump into it.
Okay. So astrology. Kind of. Okay. Astral. Astrom- astronomy. Astronomy with some astrology built into it. The thing isn't that black magic, though, David. It is. Aren't we, in fact, tempting the uh, Satan, if you will? Yeah, it's it's kind of like the Ouija board. Oh, okay. it's like you know, it's Parker Brothers game, but okay. then demons come out and uh, can take over your family. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, n- no, that's. Uh, it, that and that's one of the first things we we want to talk about is the why are we even doing this study? I mean, what are you trying to say? I mean, what are you trying to do? Right. And um, <clears throat> this is not a well, it's definitely not a new study because what we're going to be doing is revealing ancient um, things that that when people looked up in the sky, what they were thinking, and uh, a lot of that's going to come out in this study. Awesome. But um, this study in and of itself, as in its current form that I'm looking at it, man, I've got like three books about this. And it, uh, no, I've got more than that. But uh, each one of them takes a little different spin on it. But the content is pretty consistent across the board. This book that I've got here is called The Gospel in the Stars by Joseph Seiss. But it's, it's based on a, a, a larger work that I also have called uh, The Witness of the Stars by E.W. Bullinger. You know, and if you know any of Bullinger's works, yeah. he's, he's a very, um, he's a very, I guess, what would you, how would you put it? A, a diligent, he's a diligent... Um, Researcher? Um, yeah. Scholar. Theologian. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> he's, he's really in, all his stuff is really in depth. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's done a lot of analysis type of, of studies on numbers in scripture. I mean, he's responsible, responsible for analyzing a lot of what we know about numbers in scripture. Right. Come from his study on it. Um, so anyway, there's all kinds of, of, of uh, cool things um, he didn't come up with any of this, by the way. I mean, he got it from research, and he and, right. And uh, I think he pulled from one source in particular more so than any other. So it just it, it's just it's a, it's a big thing. Um, the The problem we have with it is because just like anything else, you can take something that's God given, something that is blessed by Him, created by Him, et cetera, et cetera. And you can make it manipulate it. You can screw it around it. and make it something that's not wholesome anymore. Right. Okay. Um, th- there's tons of things that we could we could look at like that. Um, but what the astrologers, as we know them now, have done with the stars in the sky and the signs in the heavens and all this sort of stuff is they've made it mystical. Right. Right. It's all tied to. Sp- if it's not spirits and God and, and pagan gods, it's nothing more than um, uh, the the alignment of the cosmic forces or whatever. Right. I mean, there's all this the new age movement, the <coughs> whole you know, the crystals and then the alignment of the universe inside yes, yes. the yeah. So this study is not about telling the future. It's not about well, it gets kind of, but it's not from an aspect of fortune telling. Okay. okay? There's uh, this has nothing to do with your sign is right. Hey, baby, <laughs> what's your sign? You know, a Pisces. By the way, <laughs> I'm really not a Leo, but go ahead. <laughs> so there's nothing about any of that, but those signs will come in, into play in what we're 
discussing. So this is a, a rather large study, so we're not going to do it all tonight. Okay. So it's going to be something that we stretch out a little bit. We'll pick up on it later. Gotcha. It's a little too dry to do all of it like back to back. So we'll, we'll spread it out a little bit. So first off, I want to talk about what it is we're even doing. Okay. Okay. So um, first off, can I look to the stars as signs in the heavens? That's the first question we have to ask is, okay, because we, like you said, we correlate that with mumbo jumbo. Yeah. Right. With almost demonology. We've demonized it. It's, it's the occult now. Right. Basically. Right. Exactly. Okay. Right. So can a Christian do that? Can a Christian look up and see the stars and know that they're there for a reason? And that reason may be to tell us something. Huh. Um, and uh, I love the way this guy writes in his preface of this book that I was just okay. talking about. <clears throat> he says, It may seem adventurous to propose to read the gospel of Christ from what Herschel, which is one of his sources, calls those uncouth figures and outlines of men and monsters usually scribbled over celestial globes and maps. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. So it, once, so it once would have seemed to this writer... But a just estimate of the case cannot be formed without a close survey of what these figures are, what relations they bear to each other, whence they originated, and what meaning was attached to them by the most ancient peoples from whom they have been transmitted to us. Okay, so these things, these signs, these constellations up in the heavens right. are nothing that modern-day mystics, mystics came up with. They, are, they have ancient um, uh, signs. The, I'm going to be reading mostly from the King James. I thought it would be appropriate okay. for this since we're dealing with, of course. <clears throat> with scholarly things. Because <laughs> so, um, the King James is the only scholarly Bible. <laughs> Obviously. Okay, go well, ahead. you could read the message if you want. <laughs> so, okay, Romans 1, verse 20 says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Okay, so popular right. scripture about uh, seeing God in things in that nature. he made. That's in right. the nature of the things that he made. Uh, Some men are without excuse. Right. Okay, so one thing I put on Facebook to kind of pr promote promo this study uh, was the quote by Carl Sagan. Okay. Where, he's, oh, yeah. where he, he supposes, if... We are the only intelligent life in this universe. Awful waste of space. It seems like an awful waste of space. Yeah, that's great. So the I, so the question here is, what was God up to? When at, why did He create all this space? Why did He create um, all these stars huh. and planets and all these things that we most likely will never visit all of them, or, right. or even a smidgen of them, or a small percentage of them, but. They exist nonetheless. Right. I'll, I still maintain that, you know, out past the Milky Way, it's just a black canvas that he's already, he's just colored in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you can think that if you want. 
People used to think we'd fall off the edge of the earth if you went too, so, too far. I mean, honestly, are we ever going to get out that far? I'm pretty sure he makes them look three-dimensional, but we really, I mean, peel back the curtain, as it were. It'd right. just be a curtain. Just saying, just saying. No, I'm joking. Go ahead. Okay, so um, I want to look at this, this, this concept. Think about this for just a minute. The first writings uh, that we have about God at all on paper or any type of mm-hmm. any type of hand scratching writing whatever we have in existence, the oldest that we have about God is the Book of Job, which was approximately written in two thousand BC. Right. Okay. After that, the next one we have is the writings of Moses which dates back to 1450 B.C. Right. Um, however, if we, based on how long you think the earth has been in, in existence, not going to go into the whole debate about that, <laughs> the length of the six days of creation or anything like that, but if if we're dealing with young earth, if we're just going with, we count the generations as laid out in the scriptures, right? Uh, then that puts creation of the earth at about 4,000 B.C., Okay. Okay. At the at the youngest. Right. Okay. So let's assume it could even be older. Right. <clears throat> so at the at the youngest, four thousand BC. Now the earliest writings we have about God or anything is two thousand BC, and that's the book so of that's two thousand af- years after the creation. Okay. So think about that for just a minute. We've been in. We've been hanging around today about two thousand years since Jesus Christ. Yeah. Now can you imagine? That span of time, which seems astronomically large to us at this point, <laughs> yeah. can you imagine having no writings in that time frame? Wow. Now, not saying people weren't writing things, saying we don't have any record of it. We Well, yeah. I mean, the earliest... What's the earliest writings we have total? Uh, cuneiform writings right. that were found in the Chaldean area which goes back to around 3000. Yeah. So you're still not even close right to to getting back to the days of Noah. Right. Okay. Now, we know that guys like Enoch actually did write things and um at least there it's ascribed to Enoch. Yeah, the book of Enoch, <clears throat> which would be really interesting because that would be the oldest writing we have. Right. Of course, the manuscripts we have aren't that old. No. <laughs> so so we're just guessing here, right. but but okay. But putting that aside, what was used to transmit God's word? It would have been sitting Knows. around the fire, word of mouth, right? Right. But what else? I mean, how does God give us something and make sure we don't lose it? Like isn't that a lot to entrust to people to hand down like from generation to generation? Huh. I mean, obviously, God's not coming down and talking to everybody, right? So his his will and his desire for things, his moral law, law. and, and uh-huh. ethics and all that sort of stuff, had to be taught somehow. So um, one of the things that I'm going to propose is that God used the heavens themselves as His scroll to pin His plan of salvation into. So that that information would not be lost through the transmission of father to son, father to son, huh. or teacher to student, and et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> there are many t- 
times whenever even the, the, the heavens itself is referred to as a scroll and referred to in this context. Isaiah 34 verse 4 says, And all the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll. And all their hosts shall fall down, and the leaf fall as the leaf falleth from the vine, and as the falling fig from the fig tree. So this is obviously an end times prophecy. Prophecy, uh-huh. um, but he's referring to the heavens like a scroll that it's going to be rolled up, and and even twenty years ago, we had read this passage and go, that shows you how much people know about. <laughs> we know that that's just space, right? Right. You can't roll up space. Well, now in more modern science, we understand even space is tangible. Dark matter exists everywhere, and it right. is a tangible thing. We just can't interact with it, so it can still be rolled, rolled up. up. So uh, you have this this concept. Uh, there are many places where uh, this type of thing is mentioned. Uh, Genesis 1, 14 says, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. But he doesn't stop there. It says, And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. So one of the reasons why the lights are in the heavens is not just to light things or to be pretty or to let us guide ourselves through travel or seasons but also for signs right so that we can look up there and we can see something and we can know something based on what we see um it doesn't give us specifics here but we do know that that is one of the reasons for it Hmm. um isaiah 40 verse 26 lift up your eyes on high and behold who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number he calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, and not one faileth. Okay, now this word host, uh, it can be used in two different ways. It's often used to refer to stars in the heavens. Right, the heavenly host. But it's also a, a word which is commonly used for angels. And many times the angels and the stars were correlated. Right. And as, as being... One represented the other, or one was the other, that sort of thing. So it's used interchangeably a lot. But it does say that he put all those things up there, numbered them, and named them all. Right. Okay. Uh, Psalms 147, verse 1. He telleth the number of the stars, he calleth them all by their names. Uh, Job 9, verse 9. Which maketh Arcturus, Orion, and the Pleiades, and the chambers of the south. Okay, these are names right. of stars and constellations. Right. Uh, Job 38, verse 31 to 32. Canst thou bind the sweet influences of the Pleiades, or loose the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth Matzeroth in his season, or canst thou guide Arcturus with his sons? All of this is talking about stars. And these were named back at three, uh, you know, 2000 B.C. Job, the oldest known writing that we have have the names has of the, the stars. names of stars and constellations in it um this this word well first off there's several things to mention about this passage pleiades the the pleiades is a constellation it's right. a seven star constellation um orion orion is one of the most prominent uh in in our 
hemisphere. It's a it's a winter um, constellation that right. we see most of the time during the winter. Um, it's a very prominent uh, constellation. Uh, these two things. It's funny that he chose these two. There's all these other constellations in the sky, right? Yeah. But his argument is now he. This is God telling Job, "Where were you when I created everything?" Right. By giving him this science lesson. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he says is, "Can you bind the influences?" of the Pleiades, or loose the bands of Orion. What we see as a cluster of stars, those things might be light years apart. Right. But from our perspective, they look close together. Right. So they might not have any interaction with each other at all when you just, because they may be so far apart. Sure. However, the Pleiades and Orion, the stars that are, most of the stars contained in those constellations are relatively close enough to have gravitational effects on one another. So they're binding. So they are bound. Yeah. And so it's funny that, I say funny, coincidental, (laughs) that God would choose these two constellations to mention in reference to, can you bind those influences? Can you separate them? Right. You you can't do that. I can do that. Right. And uh, he also mentions in this verse this word Matzeroth. Okay, now this is where our study is really going to come in. Okay. The Matzeroth is what the Jews referred to as the 12 major signs of the heavens. Okay. Okay. We call this, in modern-day language... Zodiac. The Zodiac. Yeah. Okay. Zodiac is what we attribute to all this weird, whatchamacallit... (laughs) Right. Voodoo. uh, uh, Yeah. Occult stuff. Astrology, as we know it today. Right. Your horoscope. Yeah. You know, blah-de-blah. They use the same signs. Now, the thing to take note of is that those signs were there prior to being the Zodiac. Right. They existed at this time, and God even mentions them. As the Matzeroth. As, as Matzeroth, as something that he put there for a reason. Okay. He says, can you bring forth Matzeroth in his season? Now, this could mean different things. Um, it could mean, he could be talking about the season of the, star, of the, the, the stars give us the seasons. For example, right now, it's wintertime. I look up, I see... Orion. I know it's winter partly because I can see that constellation in the sky. If it's a summer, I'm going to look up. I'm not going to see Orion in the sky at night right? because it's on the other side of the earth for where we are. So, um, so he could, that could be what he's talking about. Or he may be talking about the fact that these constellations move across the sky from our perspective. We're actually the ones moving, but Right. But they move across our hemisphere on an arc, which is referred to as the uh, ellipsis. So, okay. So it's the path, the same path the sun takes. This group of stars follows that same path every night. Goes, if we wanted to look at it as, as, as Earth-centric, that goes all the way around the Earth. So, gotcha. so they travel in the sky. Sure. And, and so he could be talking about, can you bring forth these signs across the heavens the way I can? And the answer would be, obviously. No. No. <laughs> he also brings up Arcturus, which is another constellation which we will talk specifically about in this particular study. Okay. Because we're going to talk about a lot of constellations throughout the study, but this one is going to be only going to cover a handful of them. Okay. Okay. The thing about understanding the signs <clears throat> is it's a circular pattern. There's 12 signs in the heavens that follow this e- uh, ecliptic, uh, right. the elliptic. 
<clears throat> and um, we, you have to uh, know where to start because it's a circle. Okay, uh, if we look at it in terms of January, February, March, April, May, and assign each one to one of those constellations, we've done, uh, modern-day astrologers right. have done that. Virgo, Libra, is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah Scorpio, so, Sagittarius, Capricorn, Aquarius. Yeah, if you start in January, you're going to be at either, yeah. uh, what is it, Aquarius or Capricorn or right. whatever. And like, for example, I was born in May. I'm supposedly a Gemini because that's the <laughs> that's <laughs> the sign that's in the heavens right. for that month. Uh, but if we go back in time and look at how the ancients did this, where did they start? And, and oddly enough, they did not start at Aries, which is the common starting point. They started at Virgo? Today. They started at Virgo. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, now here's one way we know that. Um, ancient writings like Hebrew, or not Hebrew, Egyptian hieroglyphics. Okay. Okay. When they write their, their symbols for these stars, there is a weird little 13th symbol in between Virgo and Leo. And that symbol is a common Egyptian symbol that we know of called the Sphinx. Okay, so you you see the pyramids in Egypt. See the Sphinx. Right there in front of it's the Sphinx. Now what's a Sphinx? It's the cat lion thing. <laughs> right. It's part lion, part woman. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. It's the chick lion thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so when you look at the signs of the zodiac, Virgo is a woman, and, and a lion. Leo is the lion, and this little sphinx is put right in right between in the them, and it's a it's a symbol of this is where the pattern begins. Ah, so the ancients used Virgo as their starting point, right? And of course, the names we commonly use for the stars, and I mean they didn't call them M eighty five. Back <laughs> back then, they had all kinds of names. There was Chaldean names and Sumerian names and and Hebrew names. And but if we start looking at some of these ancient names, that's where this whole study starts getting really cool. Okay. Okay. So now before we dive into all that, there are some things to that I just want to bring up to v- validate. Okay. Why this is a this is a valid study. Okay. Um. Think back for a minute. Ever been to a planetarium or whatever, and they they show you these stars, and you're laid back in your reclining chair, and the guy doing the presentation points his laser pointer. He's usually Ferris Bueller's teacher. Yes. <laughs> Millions of years ago, the stars <laughs> in the sky were... Yes. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so, you, so you have... Let's say he points to one of these constellations. Yeah. Ursa Major, whatever. That's a bear. Okay. Okay. You see, you see, you see this little symbol. I know of a bear. Yeah. That shows up in there. Now, if you take that little symbol off of there, <laughs> it doesn't look anything like right. a bear. It, right. Who looks at those groups of stars and goes, "Oh, bear all the way"? I mean, the only one is Orion's belt because it's like a line, right? Yeah. But even that, why do we put all those stars together into one picture <laughs> and then divide it like? The, these divisions happen um, beyond us. We don't know where they originated. Right. The thing is, if you go to any culture on Earth, Ursa Major's a bear. 
Now stop and think about how freaky that is. Huh. It almost seems like all our uh, cultures came from one place. Starting point. Right. I, I don't know. Is there something maybe, in the Bible about that? Maybe if we go back in time and if people were actually using this stuff as their Bible, as their under, as their prophetic right. understanding of the of scripture, it would be important to them. And so these symbols would be important to them. Yeah. So that little group of stars would always be, okay, Cygnus. It's a swan, right? Yeah. But it doesn't look like a swan. It looks like a, it's just a cross, the Southern Cross. It's just a, a Taurus, shaped like a V. But it is a bull. Bull. In, yeah. every, in every culture. Which is really interesting why all the cultures sacrificed bulls. <laughs> If you go back, if you really do, well, that's creepy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so keep going. So, so here's here's where the study is going to ultimately go. Uh, there are twelve signs. Now, a sign and a constellation aren't exactly the same thing. The signs are dominated by one constellation, but they contain more than one constellation. And so, this works like chapters and books. Okay. okay. So like if I go to my library and I pull out a book, let's say I've got a volume of books okay, and they're, they're one through 10 or one through 12. Right. And I grab book one, that book, I'm going to open it up and it's going to have chapters on the inside of it. This is the same concept when you go through the Matzeroth. You have books and within those books, you've got chapters. Right. Okay. So if we start with Virgo, and we start looking at these signs, we'll start to see that there's a story yeah. that actually is being told through right. through all these ancient symbols. Um, okay. So they, if we start with Virgo, we follow the ecliptic, which is what I was talking about, where the, that's the path of the sun. Sure. <clears throat> and we, we travel eastward in the sky. It tells a story through these 12 signs. Okay. Um, the 12 signs are divided in three books. Okay, so 12 divided by 3 is 4. So there's four constellations or okay. signs in each book. Okay. Uh, these signs can also be called houses. They can be called deacons. There's all kinds of different names that people have put on them huh. throughout uh, the years and in different cultures. Uh, but each, each house uh, consists of four constellations. Um, so what we're going to talk about in this particular one is just book one. It's going to cover four uh, constellations, which uh, each one has some constellations within, or four signs. Each one has some constellations inside of it. Okay. Okay. If we were going to put a name on the book, and of course th these names are part of uh, Bullinger's study and some of these others, the right. names aren't ancient. Okay. We're going to put names on them to help people understand. Understand. It. So, book one, we're going to call it the Redeemer. Okay. Okay, so that's where we're gonna we're gonna start with uh, with just the uh, the story of the Redeemer, okay. and it starts with Virgo. Now, right. Where do you think we're gonna go with that? Virgin. <laughs> right. So, um, Virgin Mary. Okay. Oh, first, before we jump into into uh, Virgo, there's a there is a consistent thing that's gonna happen in this story. Okay. That comes right out of Genesis. Genesis 3, verse 14 through 15, this is whenever Adam and Eve are kicked out of the garden. Right. Okay, can you guess what, what this little statement is going to be? 
first real prophecy of the Bible? I don't remember. Okay, this is going to be this is going to be the penalty that oh. was being handed out to Adam and Eve and the serpent. Right. Okay. So he will bruise your. Uh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. The, he will bruise your heel, and you will crush his head. Right. Okay. So that is the the main uh, story arc of this first book. Okay. Okay. So it, it, the, the passage says, and the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above all beasts of the field upon thy belly shalt thou go and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now that symbol right there is going to be a recurring thing that we're okay. going to see in the Matzeroth. Cool. Uh, <clears throat> so chapter one, the seed of the woman. Okay. Vir- Virgo. Now in every culture, this symbol in the sky is a woman. She's referred to as a virgin, hence the name Virgo. Virgo. Right. Uh, she carries in one hand, which is really weird because the stars don't dictate this, but all cultures do. She carries in one hand a branch and in the other a, a bag of seeds. Okay. Okay. A branch and a bag of seeds. <laughs> okay, so you just have this picture up in the sky for this. Yeah. Now, uh, if we if we look at uh, some of the things inside of it, um, Isaiah 7, verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Mm. Okay, so the prophecy of a virgin right. is in Isaiah 7, verse 1. But before Isaiah was written, the prophecy... Was in the stars. Was already there in the stars. So there is the the primary star in the constellation of Virgo is called uh, Shemek. Its modern or more modern uh, word is uh, name is Spica. Okay, this star, that word means branch. Now these names, like I said, some of them in our modern day are going to just be numerical or they're going to have right. you know, whatever. But some of these names I'm using are um, going to be Arabic. Some of them are going to be um, Hebrew. Right. They're all ancient, though. Right. And they all kind of mean the same thing. So this star's name means the branch. Okay, so you have the branch inside this constellation. Got it. Probably why she's always holding pictured, a branch. Holding a branch. Uh, this comes from Jeremiah 23. Verse five through six, <laughs> behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto you, unto David a righteous branch and a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days, Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely and in his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord, our righteousness. Amen. Okay. So a branch is part of now, if we look in, this is still the same book. Um, same chapter, uh, seed of the woman. Inside the house of Virgo, you have another constellation. It's it's called coma. Coma. And the word coma means desired one. The original image of this constellation was a woman holding a child. So it's oh wow. So it's repetitive. You have the Virgin, and inside this house, inside the same sign, you have another constellation of a woman. Holding, holding a child. child. Yeah. So now we're seeing this virgin with a child. Um, 
Now, there's some confusing things if you go through and you start looking up this constellation Coma, and even in the modern day uh, star programs, you may see it represented as just a big old head of hair. <laughs> Don't say the Theonauts were wrong, okay? <laughs> <laughs> the head of hair thing is legit. But it didn't come into play until Ptolemy III of Egypt. He changed it to immortalize his wife Bernice's hair. <laughs> Prior to Ptolemy III, it, it was, was a, a woman it was a woman holding a child. Uh, Hag- Haggai 2, 6 through 7. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once in a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. Mm. Coma means desire. desire. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. Okay, also in this house of Virgo, we have another constellation, Centaurus. Centaurus is a centaur. So now in mythology. Centaurs half bull, half man. Half horse. Half horse, half man. Half horse, Duh, that's half what man. I was saying. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what's the bull man? Uh that that is a Minotaur. Minotaur, that's right. Okay, so a centaur, uh, they were in mythology, they were begotten of the gods and hated by the gods and men because they didn't fit into either <laughs> right. place. Uh, the original Hebrew name for this uh, this constellation is Beza, and it means Beza. despised. Oh. Okay, so we have here in the same house a woman, a, wo- a virgin, a woman holding a child called Desired. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, now you have despised. Be- Beza, meaning despised. Uh, Isaiah 53 and 3, he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Okay, so we have this continued, the the same things that we're reading in the scriptures are Are there there, in the the sky. Uh, You just have to kind of piece them together a little differently. In the same house of Virgo, another constellation called, uh, it can be pronounced Boots or Boetis or B-O-O-T-E-S. This symbol is a man running with a sickle in his hand. <laughs> That's not very safe. Yeah. And obviously, when you look up the sky and you see that, you go, there's a guy with a sickle in his obviously. hand. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. But the original Hebrew name was Bo, and just B-O, like Bo knows. Bo Cephas. Yeah. <laughs> Bo means the coming one. Oh, wow. Now, um, the brightest star... Uh, oh, this constellation is also referred to as Arcturus. Okay. So it was mentioned in Job, the one we read a while Arcturus, ago. Arcturus, yeah. This particular constellation was mentioned in Job. Uh, it's it's often called Arcturus because there's a star named Arcturus inside of it. Um, it is the brightest star in this constellation, and it means he comes. So once again, we have the coming one, and he comes. Psalms 96, 13, for he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. What's this guy holding? A sickle. A sickle. That's judgment right That's there. That's judgment. That's it's going to cut down it's a the symbol. Wheat uh, in the chaff, right? Right, right. So, um, so okay, that's chapter one. That's Virgo. Good. Okay, of the first book of the Redeemer. Wow. Second book. That's powerful right there. I mean. <laughs> we haven't even got to the second si- si- uh, sign yet. Okay, so the second sign 
in the pattern of the Matzeroth is Libra. Libra. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now this chapter we might call it the Redeemer's Atonement, if we're going to put a name on this chapter. So Libra is what? The I don't know. Scales? Scales, yes. That's right. The, the, yeah, the scales. <laughs> okay, now once again, this is really weird. You look up in the sky, you see four stars. Okay. Do you see anything <laughs> about scales? I know. I'm just like, okay, whatever. But it represents scales. There's a there's two bright stars on each side of the scale mm-hmm. is what the, these represent. Now, the, the cool thing is when you look at the names of these stars, the one on one hand, uh, one of the names of this, star, uh, of this one star is Zubin al-Kamali. Okay, now what that means is the price which covers. Okay, <laughs> the other star, uh, the other scale on Libra is Zubin al Ganubi. That star's name means the price is deficient. Oh. So you have on one side. That's where the scales come the in. The price is deficient. The other side is the, the price, price is covered. which covers. Okay, so whenever one balance of the scales tipped, you have to put something in the other side to cover it. To cover it. To to cover that deficiency and to right. and to balance it out. So if we look to um, Daniel five verse twenty seven, what do we have here? We have the story of Persia taking over Babylon and the writing on the wall. And you remember when Daniel read that writing on meeny, the wall? Meeny meeny tickle person. Yes, which meant uh, you're. I forget. <laughs> you've been. It's too late. In- <laughs> you've been tried and. Weighed, Wade tried in the balance. That's right, and found found wanting. wanting. Yeah. Okay. So the deficiency uh, right. there. Okay, that applies to all of us. Romans three twenty three. All have come short of His glory. We're Amen. none of us are, are. We're all deficient. Right. Okay. The flip side of that. Revelation five verse nine. For Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to glory by Thy blood out of every kindred. Yeah. So that the price covered it. The Jesus' sacrifice covers it. Amen. So you have this balance here. Acts 20, verse 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. So a scale in ancient times was a symbol of purchasing mm. something because that's what you did when you went to the market to buy something. Right. They would put your... Your thing you're buying on one side and put enough yep, shekels yep. or whatever in the other one until it bounced out and it was like, okay, we're good. Right. So that's uh, so what we have here in the beginning of this book, talking about what the Redeemer is going to do, atonement. Awesome. And, and, and weighing, taking everything in the balance. Okay, so let's look at in the house of Libra. Let's look at some of the constellations that are around it. Okay. Oddly enough, the first one is called Crooks. C-R-U-X. Crux. You know what crux means? It means the cross. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. In Hebrew, this it was called Adom, which means to be cut off. Uh, this constellation has not been visible from Jerusalem for nearly 2,000 years, by the way. This particular constellation, because of the way the stars have moved and and et cetera, et cetera. Since Jesus died, you can't see it from Jerusalem. Isn't that weird? 
That's so weird. <laughs> but at the t- I'm so amazed by that. <laughs> so back in the day, it was visible and it was part of their story. That's amazing to me. Yeah, but but once it happened, they've been cut off. The cross is no longer needed to be seen in the sky wow. as, as it's been fulfilled. It is finished. Right. right? Uh, Daniel nine verse twenty six. It says, after three score and two weeks shall the Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this idea, a Hebrew word, Adom, to be cut off, the cross. Um, of course, obviously the cross meant very little to an ancient Hebrew. Right. Because it is a Roman symbol. It's, right. It was a Roman thing. Uh, but, but looking back on it, it makes perfect sense. <clears throat> also in the house of Libra, lupus. Lupus is a dying wolf. Hmm. Okay, so not only are we looking up in the sky and we're seeing what might be a dog, <laughs> but more specifically, a wolf, wolf that's dying. That is dying. Okay, <laughs> all cultures recognize it as a dying animal. Every every culture that looks up and sees well, this that's a dying animal. Lupus. Yeah, it's a dying animal. It's a dying animal at the hands. of of the Centaurus. Now, see, this is an important thing. Where these constellations are, so you have the Centaurus is over this constellation of the dying animal. Huh. So you have a picture in the sky of the one that despised Centaurus. Right. Killing, killing the wolf. The, the wolf. Uh, the symbol is, is a symbol of a slain victim. That's the whole point is that it's something being slain. Um, Isaiah 53 and 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Mm. So it is also a symbol of Christ. Uh, Another constellation in the house of Libra. We're talking about all this is having to do with atonement. It's all having to do with the Redeemer's atonement. So this, this particular uh, constellation is called Corona, uh, or Corona Borealis. That's the beer constellation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> Drinking with Jesus. Yeah, uh, there you go. Corona means crown. It's the brightest star. Uh, the brightest star in this constellation is called Altheca, which means the shining. So the constellation shines over Jerusalem at midday or midnight every night. Every night. Every night at midnight, this constellation shines bright over Jerusalem. Wow. So it, <laughs> so another weird yeah. uh, symbology. You, the cross can no longer be seen, but the, but crown, the crown can be is seen. seen every single night. Okay, so once again... You have this constant thing of the Libra, the balance. You have crux, the cross, which is antithetical to what? The crown. Yeah, the crown. So you take the cross, you get the crown. Right. It, it's this, wow. this whole balance of, of things. It's atonement. That's the whole That's message the point, yeah. of, this, of this chapter. Uh, in Hebrews 2, verse 9, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he may, by, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. So the story of atonement, right there in Hebrews 2, and was it mentioned his crown, hmm. how it crowns him with glory. Okay, so moving on. The next sign Scorpius. in the Zodiac is Scorpio. Yeah. Okay, so Scorpio 
This chapter could be referred to as the Redeemer's conflict. Okay. okay. So what did Jesus do on the cross? He atoned for us. Right. He paid paid the atonement. But it, what else did he do? He defeated sin, uh, sin and death. Right? Yeah. Think about go. Okay. All the way back to Genesis three, what we read earlier. Oh, he crushed Satan's head. Right. So the, the fulfillment of that, we're going to see it happen in this chapter. Okay. Uh, so we're, and I always think about some old guy like telling his grandkids around the fire, look up there in the stars. <laughs> you see that? That's Scorpio. That's a great scorpion. And let me tell you what happened. And just, you know, like, and one day there'll be a Messiah. Yeah. And, I mean, it's like, you can just you can see it like right. being taught like the 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 story of Christ being taught. Forget all this new age stuff. This is old stuff. This is this is ancient. Right. And and God put all this stuff up there for us. I mean, yeah. yes. Just think about it. these huge gas giants. Uh, you know, ten thousand times bigger than our own sun that are up there, and and the the their primary purpose is so that they can shine bright enough so that we can see them from our little speck of right. dirt that we live on. And be able to tell the story. And be able to tell the story of Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's so, so amazing. Awesome. Okay, so let's enter wow. into this chapter about the Redeemer's conflict that okay. happens. Okay, so Scorpio. Scorpio is a representation of conflict and war. It's a scorpion. It's a great evil at war with good. That's Continually, the thing that's going to pop up in here. Gotcha. Okay, now the Scorpio is an easily identified uh, constellation in the heavens as well. It's um, it, it's a really uh, one of the brightest objects in the sky is in the middle of Scorpio. Uh, Antares. Antares is is a star that is right smack in the back of the Scorpion uh, in in the in the constellation. In the tail. Uh, no, right in the middle. In the back of his middle body. of his body. Okay. Um, and Antares means the one who wounds. Okay. Hmm. Uh, now, in the tail, the very tip of the scorpion's tail, is another star, a bright star called Lasath, and that means the perverse. Huh. So you have um, on the middle of the back the one who wounds, and in the tail the perverseness. The What's going to injure? Right. Okay. Uh, and we'll we'll start to see how these constellations are laid out. It has a, a large effect on it. Okay. So in the house of Scorpio, one of the constellations is a a a warrior. Okay. And his name is Ophiuchus. Now Ophiuchus is the holder of the serpent. So there's two constellations happening together. You have this warrior, and in his hand. He has a serpent. He has a serpent. And at the same time, he is standing on top of Scorpio. So his foot is planted right in the middle of the back of Scorpio. Huh. Now, that's on top of that star, Antares. Right. So he is like, he, he's like holding down the head of this scorpion. Right? Gotcha. While he's holding a snake. Uh, in mythology, the son of Apollo is who Ophicius was, a god-man who had healing powers. <laughs> Sounds a lot like Jesus. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Okay. Yeah. And, and we'll start to see this warrior showing up all throughout this, this whole little tale. Okay. okay. So Luke 10, verse 19. Behold, 
I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. I mean, they use scorpion there. (laughs) Yes. That's so awesome. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Okay, so... uh, Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so what else we have in this house of Scorpio? Well, not only do we have Ophiuchus holding the serpent, but we have the serpent himself. It's another constellation called Serpens. Serpens is the great serpent. uh, And what's interesting is we talked about Corona, the crown. The head of this serpent is reaching to the crown, but he's being held by (laughs) By, the conqueror, by the deliverer keeping him from reaching that crown. crown. So it's really cool when you look up in the sky. If you've got one of these star chart programs where yeah. you can hold it up and look up there, this is really cool to check out. L- look for Scorpio. Go up to Ophiuchus. It's right on Scorpio's back. And you'll see in his hand, this serpent's reaching up and his head is just like mere feet or whatever it would appear. Uh, from the crown. From the crown. But he wow. can't quite get to it Um, he's restrained by Ophigas Isaiah 14 12 through 15 how art thou fallen from heaven O Lucifer son of the morning how art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations for thou hast said in thy heart I will ascend unto heaven I will exalt my throne above the stars of God I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Amen. So, it, wow. So it fits the story that was given in Isaiah 14 right there right, in the in sky. The stars. Um, also in the house of Scorpio, another hero by the name of Hercules. Hercules, we know him from mythology, right? Yeah. Son of Zeus. Hercules, Hercules. <clears throat> He's referred to as the mighty one. Um, he holds in his hand, once again, this is so weird, when you look up at the sky, this is not what you would think, but he holds in his hand a three-headed uh, beast, uh, which is a symbol of, of Satan in this particular model. Okay. Uh, the brightest star in his head is Raz al-Gethi, not Raz al-Ghul. <laughs> Raz al-Gethi. And that word, that name, you know what that name means? Raz al-Gethi. No, I don't. What it, does it mean? It means the head of him who bruises. <laughs> I kid you not. Wow. The head of him who bruises. So, what did it say in Genesis 3, verse 15? <laughs> he it bruise shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Wow. Okay, so you we keep seeing these symbols of the head and the heel and all that sort of stuff go, as we go through here. Okay. That's amazing. So you have the war. That was chapter 3. Right. Chapter 4. So we move on to the fourth symbol. Sagittarius. Sagittarius, the archer. We're going to call this chapter the Redeemer's Triumph. Okay. Okay. So we've done with we've dealt with atonement. We dealt with his virgin birth. We've dealt with his atonement, and we dealt with uh, his war with Satan on the cross. Now we're dealing with the triumph of the Redeemer. Yeah. Sagittarius, the archer. Sagittarius is another dual nature beast, another centaur. Uh, this time, he's victorious over the beast Scorpio with his arrow aimed straight at Antares. Antares was the star in the middle of the back. Right. So. On that scorpion, 
we always think of the Scorpio as being such a cool, strong symbol in the sky, right? Right. But at the same time, you got Ophic. Uh, Ophicus stepping, on, stepping on him and yeah. Sagittarius aiming an arrow at him. Yeah. Okay. So he's being aimed at by Sagittarius uh, inside of Sagittarius right at his, in his right hand is the star Naim. Naim means the gracious one. Naim. Um, mm. Psalms 21 verse 12. Therefore shalt thou make them turn their back when thou shalt make ready thine arrows upon thy strings against the face of them. Hmm. Okay, so we have a symbol of Jesus referred to as an archer of sorts. Inside this house of Sagittarius, we also have a constellation called uh, Lyra. Lyra means the harp carried by an eagle. Um, so if you sometimes it's just a harp. Okay. But in ancient times, it was a harp, but it always had this eagle carrying it. The reason why is because an eagle is a sign of deity. Okay, so the meaning is praising God, the, de- the, the harp, the harp praising and the God. eagle, praising God who conquers. The brightest star in this constellation of Lyra is Vega. Vega means he shall be exalted. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so, so this is just a, this is a constellation of praise is all this is. Yes. Yes. It's amazing. So Psalms 21, 13, be thou exalted Lord in thine own strength. So we will sing and praise thy power. Mm. Um, also in this house of Sagittarius, we have a, um, another constellation called Ara, A-R-A. That constellation, that word means the altar. So right. we're starting to see all this 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 praise and and, right. and all that sort of stuff happening. Ara means all consuming fire prepared for his enemies. Uh, wow! <laughs> so the fire of the altar is pointed downward and away from Sagittarius, pointed toward Tartarus. Uh, in their understanding, of the dark abyss. So Tartarus. yes, so uh, Tartarus is used in one time in the scriptures. It's a Greek term that's translated hell in most versions. Okay. It's used one time. It's a Greek understanding of the darkness, the the, the pit of death um, or the dark abyss. So this fire is pointed down away from the conqueror, away from Sagittarius, right. pointed downward uh, toward uh, hell. Uh, so Psalms 21 and 9, thou shalt make them as a fiery oven in the time of thine anger. The Lord shall swallow them up in his wrath and fire shall devour them. Wow. Um, and the final uh, star in both this house, this chapter and this book is in Sagittarius is Draco. Hmm. Now, guess what Draco means? The dragon. <laughs> yes. So you have the dragon that is inside the house of Sagittarius. Draco is one of the largest constellations in the sky. It stretches like from the ecliptic all the way across uh, the, I believe that would be the north. Um, <clears throat> it says that this dragon's head is, check this out. The dragon's head is crushed under the sign of Hercules's foot. So we talked about Hercules before. Yeah. Okay, that Hercules uh, symbol in the sky, his foot is it's on top of the head, standing on the head of Draco. Draco. Wow! And uh, the brightest star in in the Hebrew language is Thuban. 
and it means subtle. So, first off, think about what did how did uh, Genesis describe the serpent? This is the most subtle, crafty, yeah, yeah, the most subtle, subtle beast of the uh. of the garden. Uh, in Revelation twelve, we also read there, and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard loud voices saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. So we see here the Redeemer's triumph over the serpent, over the dragon, the fulfilling of that scripture, he will, he will, you will bruise his heel and he will will bruise your head. So here he is stomping out the largest constellation in the sky um, in his final triumph. Wow. Okay, so that's only the first four. (laughs) Yeah, the first four books. The first four um, uh, uh, chapters chapters of... A larger work so we can call this you know a complete work and uh so next time what we'll do is we'll pick up on on book two as we continue across these 12 signs and we're going to uh go into um book two which we're going to call the redeemed so we talked about the redeemer right in this particular one the next set of stars are going to talk about man that's amazing if that's not a faith builder i don't know what is yeah, it's, it's just neat. It's an amazing study. If you have not um, heard of this before or whatever, it scares you or whatever, because of all the astrology and horoscopes and whatever, just know all that stuff is bunk. That There is a bigger, better way of understanding what the stars are there for. Right. And uh, if, if you haven't read uh, any of these books or whatever on it, I would recommend Witness of the Stars by E.W. Bullinger. It's incredibly precise. It's incredibly researched, and it's it's just it's full of illustrations of these stars, and it shows you kind of how they're laid out, and it's just amazing because you, then you end up going outside and looking up in the skies, and especially on those nice, crisp, clear nights when yeah. you can see the stars so well, get you one of these um, apps apps that, that can tell you what stars you're looking at and what constellations you're looking at. Because you can actually see the gospel unfold right above your head. Yeah. Look up to Jesus. That's amazing. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> so, Well, speaking of looking up to Jesus, I got some news for us. Let's do it. And now, the news. Nigerian businessman has just unveiled Africa's largest Jesus statue. Yes. This weekend, a businessman in Nigeria unveiled a 40-ton 30-foot-tall marble statue of Jesus, which he claims is the largest on the African continent. Wow. Called Jesus the Greatest, the massive monument yeah, sits on the grounds of a Catholic megachurch in a village in the southeastern part of the country. Gas and oil mogul Obina Onhunhoa, who commissioned the Greatest. Obina Onhunhoa. Anahua <laughs> told the news agency AFP that the idea of the statue first came to him in a dream decades ago. He hopes locals will see the white marble statue and it will remind them of the importance of Jesus Christ. 
So pretty cool. It's a pretty neat statue, Jesus, wow. with his arms out. You know, it's, yeah. Is it's it kind of like awesome. the one in uh, what is that Rio de Janeiro or? Yeah. Well, is that the, is that where it is? Or yeah, that's in Rio. Yeah. And I don't know what that one looks. Christ like. Christ the Redeemer. Yeah, Christ the Redeemer. That one's it's huge. on top of this mountain with the arms outstretched. It's gigantic. Yeah, that one's. Yeah, his arms are outstretched like a cross. Yeah. This one, he's more like, hey, come to me, you know. <laughs> well, you know, here we got Christ of the Ozarks. Right. Oh, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> I've been to that Christ. Yeah, that's in, um, um, what is that? Oh, man. I Mine's going, uh, Out by Branson somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I go there all the time. I, my mind is just totally wasted. <laughs> but, okay, go ahead. Never mind. Anyway, so, yeah, so that's, that's a pretty cool thing. Um you know, but it's not as cool as Buddy Jesus. Buddy Jesus is my favorite <laughs> statue of Jesus. <laughs> All right, so Christianity Today has countdowned uh, the top 10 biblical archaeology discoveries of 2015. Would you oh, like wow. To hear yeah, that? let's let's do it. All right. The Beit Shemesh Idlehead, Israeli boy enjoying a picnic with his family in mid-November at the ruins of a biblical city of Beit Shemesh found what appeared to be a small head of a statue, showed it to the Israeli tour guide. Guide encouraged the boy to take it and find it uh, to Israel Antiquities. Turned out to be from the 8th century B.C. Pretty oh, cool. wow. Yeah. Horvat. It was a head, right? Yeah, it was just the head of an idol. You know what's, what's kind of cool about that is uh, when we were over there in Israel, one of the things we learned is like you're going around and you're looking at all these sites, okay, especially the Roman sites where right. all these statues and stuff are, and they're all missing their heads. And and what the guide was telling us, he said, whenever these places got sacked by the Turks or the Saracens, chop off their heads. Yeah, I, that's what they would do. They would they would demean whoever they were worshiping right. by cutting off the heads of all the idols. Yeah. So it makes sense that he would find a head, sure, of an idol. Absolutely. Wow. All right, Horvat Kor Benzentine Mariah Mosaic. Uh, this, Muhammad, Muhammad, Muhammad. Yeah, whatever. Um, it was the project, one of several synagogues being. How do you excavated. get on to a kid with that name? I don't know. That's crazy. Like, like, does that kid have a middle name too? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is number eight, and it's it like, should be number one. The site of Herod's palace. That's a new thing. I guess so. I Early in 2015, archaeologists announced that. The excavations of a former Turkish prison near Jerusalem, Jaffa Gate, would be open to the public via gu- guided tours. The site is believed to have been the location of Herod's Palace 2,000 years ago. Oh, wow. Possibly the site of the trial of Jesus before Pilate. Wow. Yeah. That is a good one. Yeah. Iron Age Gate at Gath, a rare 3,000-year-old seal from Jerusalem found on the Temple Mount. Um, it was pretty cool. Wow. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I just had a thought. What? Samson carried a gate all the way from Gath. Do you remember that story? Iron Age gate of Gath. Yeah. He he stole the gate or whatever, and he carried it. Yeah. Like all the way. I don't know if he took it to Jerusalem, though. Huh. But but that would be cool. This is a, okay. Samson's gate. Yeah. They, okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. They found the monumental gate of gas from the time of Goliath, its most famous resident. It is one of the largest cities ever found in Israel, largest city gates ever found in Israel, attesting to the importance of the city 3,000 years ago. So, wow. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. All right. A rare 3,000-year-old seal from Jerusalem was found on the Temple Mount. Esha El name found at... How do you find anything on the Temple Mount these days? I don't know. I mean, it's like... 
everyone's on every square foot of that place. <laughs> okay. Uh, Canaanite uh, Ostracon from Lackish, whatever. <laughs> a Hezekiah L- Seal Lachish. impression. Lachish. Yeah. A Hezekiah Seal impression found. Oh, okay. Which is cool. So, you know, confirm. So Hezekiah. Hezekiah. King in the, Hezekiah. Yeah, King Hezekiah in the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. The venerated home of Jesus of Nazareth. The venerated home. Yeah, venerated. University of, this is uh, under, the University of Reading, uh, Professor Ken Dark analyzed the results of a long-neglected archaeological work done in 1936 and earlier in the uh, Covenant of the Sisters of Nazareth. While it's impossible to say the remains of the home at the site belonged to the home of Jesus during his childhood, Dark said it clearly. it's clearly the place that Christians of the Byzantine era believed was the home of Jesus. So they they uncovered that. Oh, wow. It's pretty cool. And number one, a carbonized scroll of Leviticus from in Gadi Synagogue is deciphered. Wow. Yeah. That, that's an important synagogue. A Gadi Synagogue. G- yeah, Gadi. It's Gadi. I guess it's important. <laughs> However you want to say it. <laughs> Getty, Getty. It must be important because it's, yeah. <laughs> All right. So this one uh, is from the Huffington Post. Richards made an astonishing finding about American sexuality. Mm. Overall, this is basically that I'm not going to read through this because there's a ton of stuff that I don't want to talk about in Theonauts. But <laughs> the most interesting thing is that 88% of men and women, 886 75.9% of women and 88.6% of men aged 18 to 24 said they were attracted to only the opposite sex. And the reason... How uh, 75.9% of women and 88.6% of men aged 18 to 24 said they were attracted to, quote-unquote, only, only the opposite, right. opposite sex. Uh, the interesting thing is that that figure has never been below 90% before. And the uh, the person who's researching the developmental psychology professor at Cornell uh, basically said that there's a progression away from straightness, if you will, right? Which is very interesting. It's it's the conditioning of society is what it's basically trying to say. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a uh, you know more and more people are coming out, quote unquote. So you know, take that how you will, but I think it's a sign of our times, man pretty crazy mm, interesting yeah. yeah there's all kinds of of um philosophical things that you could look at in terms of that right i mean because it, you know you always have the arguments oh i'm born that way or it's a choice or you know everyone who who's who's who leans that way is like it's not a choice that's a natural thing or whatever but you know it, it makes you wonder how much of it really is a product of like even not just homosexuality but other you know attractions or whatever it's like how much of it is a product of Mm. our environment and what we're exposed to and etc etc yeah and they said the the results were much higher among uh uh people question age 18 to 25 than of of other deviant sexual Mm -hmm. tendencies than of those 25 to 44 which makes you wonder how much of this is, you know, 
I, uh, that would exactly what you're talking about. So mm-hmm. it's pretty interesting. All right, the last thing I have for us, Bible on demand, what 160 million people searched for in uh, search scripture for in 2015. Uh, Bible Gateway released the top uh, scriptural <laughs> um, searches of 2015. Can let, you guess? Let me, let me guess. Can you guess what number one was? Homosexuality. No. Really? Wow. Yeah, the most popular Bible verse searched. Oh, verse. Verse. Not not like a uh, no, keyword. Just verse. Most popular Bible verse searched in 2015. Surely it's not John 3.16. It is. It's John 3.16. <laughs> what does that John 3.16 yeah, say? It's something about God and loving them people uh, and stuff. Mm. Number two. What did that say again? <laughs> I didn't understand it all. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> a dead on impression. Sorry. It's great. All right. So here's the top 10. You want to hear them real quick? Sure. Number two, Jeremiah 29 11. I know the plans I have for you, right? I, I know what plan I've got for you. Yeah, it's to prosper you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Philippians 4 13. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Yep. Right? Yep. Romans 8 28. And we know that all things work together for, for the, the good. For the good of them that, they're loved, that love the Lord. Love the good Lord. Mm-hmm. Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, valley of the shadow of death, right? Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Transformed. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, Lean not 7. on your own understanding. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> All right, First Corinthians thirteen seven. <laughs> love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. And number ten with a bullet, Proverbs three six. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Very good. So most of these are really upbeat scriptures. Yep. None of them search for God's going to send you to hell. Yeah. The, the only one is, you know, that Jeremiah one had to be in there, you know. Oh, of course. All the plans I got for you yeah. to prosper you. That's, that's what, right. That's what, Joel Osteen, go look that up. Go look it up. It says it right there, Jeremiah. I'm telling you. That's great. Oh, that's all I got Google for it. you. Google it. Google it. Google it. <laughs> I know you're just dying to do I'm some not, man. trivia. I mess it up every time, and I'm... In a losing streak. I'm like... Uh, I think we're like tied, right? I'm on the bottom side of... I'm like Kobe Bryant right now on the bottom side of my career about to retire. You got past the prophecy. Did I? Yeah, so you're like on names. I should be beating you, though. And I'm That's, on letters, numbers, and sequences. What I'm saying is I should be beating you. Well, you can think that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. See so your letters, numbers. Oh, by the way, I love the, the fact that I, I've actually been talking to listeners going... Uh, Oh, I knew the answers to your questions. Right. <laughs> well, great. Awesome. Well, it's too bad we don't have a call-in line. Exactly. We really need to do a call-in show. Well, that would be cool. Right? It would be. Well, we're trying to get people to listen live. Right now, there is nobody in the chat room. <laughs> <laughs> so right now, if you're listening live, you could answer these questions in That's the right. chat room. That's right. But no. No, you just you want to spend no. your Friday night doing something else. Now, something more so, important, maybe. So you, so you can sit there and go. Oh, <laughs> I knew the answer to that. After we give it to you, right? No, exactly. Kidding. All right. So, what are you? Letters, numbers, and sequences. Yes, I am. All right. How many talents were given to the third servant in Jesus's parable? <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> you got it, huh? That's not the right button. So I got at least play this okay did you say the third yeah 
I am going to say 10. No. What? One. One. Oh, the third. The third. Okay, it's backwards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah. Totally messed that up. Okay, well, you got a chance to catch me. I do. Here we go. You're on names. Okay. Give the last name of each of the two disciples named Judas. <laughs> Iscariot? Yes. Judas. Not Iscariot. <laughs> you know what? There is a <laughs> There is a passage that actually I know says Judas that. not Iscariot. <laughs> so I should get that. Judas uh they give you half of it. Actually that's more than half because you got Iscariot right. Yeah. Judas. You know what? Go ahead. That's that's son of Alpheus. I don't know. Thaddeus. Thaddeus. Judas Judas Thaddeus. That's yes, right. Yes. I forgot. Okay, so we're tied. Okay. Letters, numbers, and sequences. Achia! Excuse uh, yeah. me. All right, here we go. God bless you, there. <laughs> Thanks. Um, no, you're on No, oh, I, yeah. I missed it. That's right. I got the talents wrong. Here you go. Which book follows Song of Solomon? <laughs> <laughs> now you have to think, don't you? I do have to think. <laughs> <laughs> You've slept since the last time you memorized your Old Testament books, haven't you? I don't know if I ever really did that way. Um, no. Okay, well, let's see. There's Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say... Ezekiel. Oh, so close. Ah! Ezekiel and Daniel. Isaiah. 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 Song of Solomon. Okay. Isaiah. Still on Ezekiel, letters, Daniel. numbers, and sequences. Yeah, bummer, dude. Bummer. All, All right. right. Here you go. On yeah. which day? This is letters, numbers, and sequences. Friday. Specifically sequences. Friday the 3rd. On which of the six days of creation mm. did God create with these. the sun the moon, and the stars. Third. Final answer? Yes. (laughs) Ah, blast. (laughs) Fourth? Happened on the fourth. Fourth day, dad gum. Oh, well. Yeah, because all those dissenters, like, how can you have the day (laughs) when the sun was not? Well, it doesn't make sense. (laughs) Oh, well. well, That's a story for another time. Starry, starry Okay, nights. you know, we're, we're, we are getting no traffic. On, At all on Theonomous? On Theonomous. We've had, like, I sent out the newsletter uh, actually this morning instead of yesterday. Yeah, I saw that. I got it this morning. Did you read it? Mm-hmm. It was like, nothing's changed. Right. Okay, there's nothing new to report. Okay. So we need you people to help us here. Yes. We're helping you. Help, yes. you, help us help you. I, so we thought it would be a good idea to do this website, and I think it still is a great idea. It's a great just, idea. You know, not many people are repentant. That's the thing. <laughs> so repent. Well, see, I'm wondering if maybe there is doubt that it's completely anonymous. Hmm. Um, it is. Okay, you can go in there, make stuff up if you have to, like on the name and the email. I killed me a man. <laughs> Well, I don't mean that. <laughs> I mean make up a name, make up you know whatever. We're not right. gonna we're not gonna trace down your IP address. <laughs> we're not gonna know who you are. David's not gonna trace down your IP address. <laughs> <laughs> 
Use a VPN. I wouldn't know how to. Okay, so. whatever. Uh, <laughs> so it is completely non-suit. Yes. We want to pray for you. Yes, we that's want the to, whole point. We're trying to help where maybe you, you can't find help. Help and, us help you. Yes, yes. And we got people on board to pray. I mean, we've got... Now, I think there's like 14, 15 people on the prayer warrior list yeah. who are willing to take time out of their week to to dive into your problems. Yes. Okay? All you have to do is just let it flow. That's right. Just let it go. Just open it up. Just pull a frozen. You know, if you... Uh if you repent your sins, you will just or forgive your sins. Just saying. The cold never bothered me anyway. Just saying. Oh my gosh. He's he's over there, blonde hair and all. Okay, go ahead. The Theonauts are part of... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You know what I forgot to share? Oh, great. The fact that I went to the barber shop. You did, and you're bald. <laughs> Not intentionally. I, I, I tell the girl, I tell the girl, okay, look, I want to fade it up on... High fade, okay? Fade, that means slowly moving from right. buzz to hair. Right. No, she cuts, she buzzes me all the way up to my part. <laughs> so on this one, on one side, so on one side, I look like a Viking, apparently, because of the beard and all. And on the other side, looks perfectly fine. You look at me from the front, I'm wearing a beret of hair. <laughs> Like cocked sideways on my head, so I go I go to my son's friend who does hair, and yeah. I'm like, "Can you do anything with this?" And he's like, um, "Well, we can try to cut it down a little bit and see if that looks any better." No, we kept taking it down. Yeah, kept taking yeah, it down. Before long, I was just like, "You know what, dude? Buzz it. Just buzz the whole thing." So here I am. If you're watching on the video, with I think it's a good look. Oh, really? With a beard. I'm, I really want to try this look out. I actually thought about going, like, smoothing it, like, just shaving it all. Bald, bald? Yeah, yeah. But that sounded like a lot of work. Going Breaking Bad? <laughs> you would kind of look like him, too. Like, uh, White, whatever his name is. Uh, Walt. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but I've got too much facial yeah, hair. Yeah, you got it, so. way too much Okay, that. for the third time. I'm Anyways, let's do our uh, sign-off, shall we? <clears throat> the Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network, using new media, social networking, to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone, just like it happened in the stars. <laughs> so to find out more, you can partner with us. Visit us at gctnetwork.com. You can subscribe to the newsletter there and stay up to date with not only the Theonauts, but all of our shows. At, including Michael and Brendan. Including our shows with, um, well, Michael and Brendan, Finding Christ in Cinema. But there's a new there's one coming. There's a new one, yeah. Oh, it's a worship show coming out. I'm anxious to hear. So check that out. Cool. There are several ways to contact us and lead us feedback. Send us email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com. Call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. Don't forget to leave us comments there and rate us. Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theonauts. Follow us on Instagram at theonauts. Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's word and his stars with us. Yes. Thank you for being here, Jeremiah. Thank you, David. All right. God bless. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your great commission.
This is your Great Commission Transmission. At GCTnetwork.com. I wrote a break. Transmission.